0: Yes, gang, what is up? Welcome to the BSC pod. We are into season two, talking all things prehab, rehab, injuries, the lot. I am with Jamie Stewart. How are you, mate? Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, mate. Doing very well. Cheers. Good man, good man. Um, so, Jay, tell us a little bit about yourself and why, I guess, you are in the hot seat for the uh, the next
1: few weeks. Mm, so, yeah. Um... Kind of a background, or my background is that I'm a physio. So, yes. um, yeah, seven years ago, I qualified when we were at uni a, together. Yeah, long old time ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a physiotherapist, uh, I kind of spent the first year working privately and then for like yeah. the last six years have worked in football. So working in kind of professional football. Awesome. So working across kind of different age groups from starting uh, kind of under 18s, then moving to uh, a role, uh, another club, which was working at schoolboy phases. And then kind of most recently working with, at the kind of professional development stages. So that'd be like you're under 23s, under 18s. So I've had a nice mix and a kind of nice exposure across um, different age groups and, and kind of how athletically, um, things will change and, and how things will develop starting from like the younger ones and, mm-hmm. and how we'd coach coach movements and whatnot and then how we kind of develop them athletically through the ages as they get older
0: right. and you are an advocate for strength and conditioning you know you train yourself you you love that aspect and I think that's why we're going to get on so well with these pods is because um, you are an advocate of getting in the gym and training and you know through COVID and we'll probably speak about um, the services that obviously are on offer at the end of the pod, but um, you're working with general pop as well, who who train themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the first bit, I've I've got a kind of a passion for for strength and conditioning. So alongside the obvious, which is player gets injured and I'll kind of do their rehab and getting back to, to training and playing. The yeah. other massive side is is preventing injury, and that obviously comes from a lot of strength and conditioning, and and kind of mm-hmm. working with the S and C coaches. And I kind of had a lot expo- a lot of exposure to that over the years as well. So massive massive advocate for for any kind of exercise, really. But yeah, big big fan of strength and conditioning.
0: Love it. Right. So we're going to start with a big topic, and we'll try and get through as much as we can we won't rush through because there'll be plenty of detail to run over um we will be talking about tips on managing injuries or key considerations on managing injuries and um the first point which some people might not know is pain doesn't necessarily mean damage am i right Jay?
1: yeah absolutely um i think if if we were to kind of split your or someone's pain up into kind of three areas. Um, the first being, which is the one that kind of everyone thinks um, is the reason we have pain is, let's say you go you're going for a run, you turn your ankle, you twist it, um, you injure the ligaments, or you injure the structures around there, you get a big inflammatory response, um, that kind of starts a bit of a healing process. The pain is there at that point because it wants you to offload that injury. So it, it wants you to offload that structure to allow for a healing process so that's the main kind of um, reason we have pain when we have tissue damage we need to kind of protect the area now people will then get confused with other kind of reasons that we have pain so often when we have pain for longer periods of time so when it's kind of past three months it's not due to tissue damage it's actually due to a structure probably being overloaded okay so that structure's been overloaded through the gym through running whatever it may be mm-hmm. and that structure can't tolerate that that kind of overload it's not strong enough to do so it hasn't been kind of prepared enough to to kind of deal with that with that okay. load mm-hmm. um and it kind of brings on pain now as with kind of the first instance the body heals itself yeah so the body is an amazing amazing thing it will heal itself and mm-hmm. it wouldn't allow for it to be damaged for long periods of time it's just not economical from a body point of view so that's where when we've had pain for such a long long period of time it's not really going to be due to to kind of tissue damage as such it's due to structures being hypersensitive and they're kind of they're almost on on high alert and there's other things that will then feed into that so people's belief systems negative kind of beliefs around their pain uh, I see a lot of people, a lot of time with, with people with like lower back pain. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows someone when, when they've got lower back pain said, Oh, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. I've had back yeah. pain for 10 years. Like yeah. if your back was damaged, it would have healed itself by now. You know, mm-hmm. like this is, it, it can't, it can't be damaged for, for such a long period of time. Um, I would always say that you've got to get your injury assessed because it could be the you do have something that has been there for a while, but there's an underlying issue there. So things that would kind of spring to mind straight away would be like bone stress responses or stress fractures. Yeah, Those could be there for a long time. You keep kind of doing impact work, you keep overloading, and then they can continue to break down and, and get worse. So injuries do need to be assessed, but the majority of the time, if you haven't had a mechanism there, if it hasn't built up, um, or if you've had it there for such a long period of time, it's likely that the structure is just... Really sensitive and not due to to tissue damage. Okay. So I guess there's a point
0: of where you've injured yourself, it has damaged in the immediate phase, and then it's kind of healed. So would there then be a benefit to creating a foundation for that muscle? Maybe in stages so you might have to then start loading it slowly. And at what stage within the injury would you start loading? And let's use a lower back problem as an example, um, unless you had uh, uh, another example, but, you know, you hurt your lower back probably out for a couple of days or a few weeks, whatever that looks like, you would then have to, at some point, start loading it, right? To strengthen Mm. it. You wouldn't want to leave it and then go back to deadlift in the same way you were before.
1: No, that's it. So you'd be, I mean, backs are a tricky one. So the reason the deep yeah basically so <laughs> the, the, the majority of back pain isn't due to a specific cause so about 90 okay. percent of back pain is considered to be non-specific lower back pain so yep. it's hard to identify a particular structure that is causing that um so but yeah if you were to to be in the gym or you were to do something where you just wake up one day and your back has flared up then straight away there is some kind of optimal loading that we can do there's something we can do now that might be you're just on your back doing some some knee rolls to help kind of loosen your back off it might be going for a walk you might be able to do something a little bit higher end than that you might try and avoid the um potentially the deadlifting to start with because you are in too much pain to do that but there is always something that you can do that will positively affect your injury um i think if we were to talk about something where the pain is actually due to damage i you rolled your ankle or you yeah. um torn your hamstring then you probably just want to depending on injury to injury but and kind of individual to individual probably initially kind of 72 hours just offload it allow it to settle yeah. allow it yeah. to, to heal get out of that initial kind of inflammatory that inflammatory stage that it's in and then after that um loading it is going to one promote healing and two to promote um or or improve pain um and then it's going to start strengthening those tissues so that they become more robust kind Mm of where you need to get to for for your injury so um yeah 100 there's, there's always something you can do so
0: i guess the next question would be if someone was if someone was listening to this would be you know how do you know where to start like, is there a pain threshold in which you would work in and where would you start like you know what would be the pain threshold would it be like a one to ten and you work from a one to four or a one to six like where mm. would you start
1: so if and this is where we've got to look at what's the reason for your for your pain so what's causing your pain is it that you've had that acute injury or an acute muscle injury um then from a rehab point of view say if you've torn your hamstring I would probably want them to stay within quite a lower threshold of pain because at that point, their pain could be due to your irritating or kind of preventing the healing process from going on. So if it is due to an acute injury, then I would generally want them staying quite a, a, quite a kind of low, low pain threshold. Mm -hmm. Um, however, if it is the, um, that chronic shoulder you know they've had on and off shoulder pain for for 12 months and you know they come in and they do a little bit of kind of like rotator cuff activation but they've never truly got on top of their pain because they've never truly had a plan from starting up where they are now to to move into kind of the end point of being pain-free kind of completely functional then that can 100% move into into pain and it is each person is, is kind of individual. So Mm -hmm. with that, and I guess as a disclaimer, I've got to say, this isn't medical advice at all. So, Mm -hmm. um, people would have to, to see, seek out kind of professional help with something, but I would be happy for somebody with that kind of chronic shoulder to move into and kind of um, load into like a four or five out of 10 pain, 10 10 being the worst pain you can imagine zero being nothing. Um, As long as it settles down quite quickly, so it doesn't affect like your sleep, for example, and within kind of 24 hours, you've returned back to whatever your kind of normal was. um, That is actually going to have more of a, a positive effect on your pain long term than not moving into any pain at all. So you've got to look at the cause, basically. If it's due to injury, then be a little bit more careful with it. If it's not due to an acute injury and is actually something that's been overloaded over a long period of time, structures are just sensitive, then you are going to get more benefit by moving into some form of pain with it. Right, because
0: the end goal is to get the you know the injured individual moving, right? We want to keep them in the gym, 100%. training, moving. It's great for body. It's great for mind. Um, and there'll be many ways that we can work around that injury. So what would be like your main considerations to keeping someone training to keeping them fit and healthy and working around that that injury at the same time
1: so find out what the injury is what's causing the pain now if it is an acute injury to the ankle then i don't want to be really doing lots of high impact work or um like heavy calf raises because we we're kind of allowing that to, to settle we're allowing that to heal however there's various different movements that we can do for them. So I, my kind of background is um, working in, in professional football and from pretty much day one, we're going to be doing something with them. So even if they're in a boot, even if they can't weight bear, you can do things like you can put the bench in front of the ski erg and you can just do upper body, um, mm. uh, upper body stuff. So it's completely non-weight bearing. You can train the other leg. You can do some upper body. So there's things that we can do to completely offload that structure if we deem it kind of appropriate to do so um the other thing as well to consider um a a little bit kind of more complex and but there is kind of good evidence or there is a level of evidence that would suggest if you were to have injury have an injury to your right calf if you were to train your left calf it would actually allow for some kind of or prevent so much atrophy in the injured calf, through heard this. Cross, yeah, through a kind of yeah. crossover effect at a spinal level. Crossover effect, wow, that's mad. So, you know,
0: a few people that might have some shoulder injuries don't miss out on that shoulder press. You know, if if your right shoulder's hurting, rather than going barbell shoulder press, if that hurts, just go single arm shoulder
1: press. Yeah, hundred percent. So you you're still getting strong, you're still staying fit, you're still able to do something. And then, like you say we want to keep you doing some form of exercise because that's going to make you happier. It's going to improve your sleep. If your sleep is um, affected then, or you're having poor sleep, there's so much evidence that our perception of pain increases. So exercise improves your sleep, which will improve your level of pain. And it just becomes it like, rather than being in the the negative vicious cycle, you start having a positive cycle where the two kind of positively affect each other. Mm -hmm. Um, The mental benefits. So there's always something we can, We can do if we want to completely offload that structure. Now, we might deem it acceptable and appropriate for you to load into some pain. So if for example you had and um I was listening to your podcast with George and he was talking about tendinopathies. Um so that's something I see a lot of. Now, if a as I say, kind of day to day, if a player was to come in and see me with a patella tendinopathy, so quite a common injury we're not going to take them out of training at all because we know that you can manage that through training but what we've got to do is we've got to have a, a look at one what's the reason for their pain and how we can modify that and two how we can start implementing strategies to keep them in training get them pain free and kind of improve the the capacity of that tendon one thing would be um loading that tendon and loading it in the right way so slowing it down so it's a three second um, concentric three second eccentric movement probably like three sets of eight heavy so that we're getting good kind of tendon adaption now if we were to have that with somebody in the gym someone was to come in with a patellar tendinopathy the last thing that would help them is them to completely offload that and just do say posterior chain or just work the other leg or just do upper body or just do the bike because we're not exposing it to the load that's going to help get it pain-free and improve its strength and improve its um, tolerance and improve its capacity to absorb load and, and produce load. Yes, we might say don't do the box jumps because that's quite a lot of impact. That's quite a lot of force that goes through the tendon, the tendon at kind of its initial stages, wants slow, heavy loading, it doesn't want plyometric work because it's not kind of ready for that. So that's where where like each injury is specific, where it would be foolish to to say for somebody in that case, or somebody who's potentially got a weak knee, uh, sorry, a painful knee because They're doing a bit of running and their their knees become sore and it's become painful. And it might be not due to any kind of structural damage. It's just become um, flared up because the knee can't tolerate that. The worst thing that could happen is for us to say, don't squat because you're losing the, the kind of stimulus that's going to improve you. Yes. The dosage might have to change. The volume might have to change. The amount that you're kind of putting through, through that from, like a weight point of view might have to change but it's just about appropriately putting things in and taking things out where where we deem necessary
0: yeah a couple of examples with the running especially is like we've got runners not necessarily have an injury but they've come in they've been training with us and they're smashing pb after pb after pb and then you look at other members that have an injury whilst running And they've gone to the physio and they've said, look, you need to do some strength training. They've come to us and then they're running now with no no pain in their knee. So it clearly goes to show that strength training would help in those scenarios. And it's also trial and error, right? Like if one thing doesn't work, as long as you've done it in a slow and controlled manner and you haven't done more damage to the injury or risked further damage, then you just try something else. So, you know, shoulder injury. Why Why bother going for an explosive dumbbell snatch when you can just go into a, like you said, controlled three-second eccentric, three-second concentric movement?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where you're – I think at some gyms, you're not going to get that level of kind of individualised knowledge from the coaches and, like, someone could come in and they're not really at other gyms – the coach maybe doesn't really have an understanding of what they can and can't do or what is appropriate for them and, and not. And that's where I think like your, your members are in an excellent position really, because I think yeah. you know what's going on with them and you know what they can and can't do.
0: Yeah. It's it's also just, yeah. It's like not shying away from training. Mm. And now, you know, I've been through it myself and, you know, like I'm we're talking now and I've almost torn my hamstring wanting to, you know, go get it seen. I tore it about a year ago I'm still going to train I've still got to do some form of hamstring work to get back to football
1: I can't leave it wait for it to go pain free go run again I'll end up no. tearing it that's it and like straight away you can start doing something through there because as I said it, it's going to improve your pain it's going to um, improve the healing process but then you've got to think you're If you were to just leave it be, then it's going to be weaker than what it was when you injured it. And it needs to be stronger than what it was when you injured it, else you wouldn't have injured it if it was, if it was so weak. So you've got to kind of push yourself past where you were previously to make sure that you're not just waiting for it to be pain-free because like you say, just going to break down again, you've got to change the structures and improve the the load tolerance and the capacity of those structures and the strength of those structures so that they can tolerate the load that you put through them when you're running, when you're playing football, whatever it may be. And in load, we're talking weight essentially, right? So, you know,
0: it could be body weight to start with, and then you could add a dumbbell, then two dumbbells, then a heavy kettlebell, then a barbell. Um, And then looking at volume, Jay, maybe in a session and across the week, Um, You know, let's look at a pec injury, right? So (laughs) I tore my pec, however, three months ago. It's then looking at obviously reducing the load.
1: But would we look at reducing the volume as well? So it might be, and this is where it is, and it varies individual to individual. So it might be that you've got an acute injury and we massively reduce the, the load initially, but we might up the volume. And we might up the volume because it's such low load that we want to avoid putting large amounts of force through the area, but actually you can tolerate low amounts of force. But we want to start building a bit more capacity, so a bit more endurance. We want to start getting a little bit more kind of hypertrophy benefits. Then, so we might deem that that is okay for that kind of like acute injury. Um, For those kind of chronic ones that are built up, then we might say that actually no we're going to reduce your, or we're going to kind of reduce the load from um, a volume point of view. So like, kind of load is, load is um, can be anything and everything basically. So it can be weight, it can be volume, it can be frequency. Right. It can be the complexity of the exercise. So um, like a strength exercise would be slightly different to a plyometric exercise. Mm-hmm. So we, we, and this is where I will always start. Is we've got to look. If you were to have an injury, we've got to look at your your total load, and we've got to start changing things in it. So, we might, if it's the runner, we're bringing down your your volume that you're running to a level that you can tolerate, and then that will allow us a kind of opportunity where one, you're going to adapt to the volume that you're that you're training at, and two, your it will then give the structure kind of chance to be a little bit less painful so that you can do more strength to make it stronger.
0: So looking at the stages on overcoming injury, I think there's like, obviously the physiological and psychological benefits to those stages. Um, Discuss the stage of overcoming the injury. Like Mm.
1: how would we overcome it? So, and kind of, I'm sure you see this yourself. So having been to gyms and know people that gym um, and kind of strength train or they run or or whatever it may be, people see, there's a lot of people that seem to be in pain or they have niggles they have injuries and therefore they have to modify a lot of what they do. So they say, well, I don't do pull-ups because of this, or I don't do um, squats because of my knees. I don't do back squat because of my back. And they're modifying their gym and their exercise, which is fine because it's probably appropriate at that point. But then a year down the line, they're still doing the same thing. And it's all that is doing is that is just feeding in negative kind of beliefs and and kind of strengthening negative, negative beliefs around your pain and what your body can and can't do. So, and, and this is where I think that, people kind of slip between the gaps in that they there's so much rubbish online so they're reading stuff online and that's fueling negative beliefs they either haven't seen somebody for it so a physio chiropractor osteopath or they have seen someone and they've again said you shouldn't be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that ever which is 99% of the time it's a load of rubbish they can get to that they just can't do it at the moment but that's a kind of long way around saying that if you can't do something at the moment and you want to get to doing something, you, there has to be a plan by which we start at this point And we say, right, yes, at the moment you can't run because your knee's gonna, not going to tolerate it. But if you want to run, then we can get you there. It just requires this stage to this stage, to this stage. So, and and that might be that um, we just start doing body weight squats. So we're just starting really, really easy. And then we've got to look at, well, what's the next thing? So we're going to have a look at um, improving the the strength in the quads. That's like the basic thing. And then actually we'll look at the glutes because if your glutes are stronger, then it's going to improve the the whole leg's kind of capacity to absorb force and kind of control Mm -hmm. the knee and help improve control around the knee. And then once we've done that, now we need to start and you're moving well from a squatting point of view, we need to start up in the load so that we know that your leg is going to be able to tolerate or your knees going to be able to tolerate, um, force being put through it when you are doing, doing your running because running is basically just high impact force going through, through your leg. And then we've got to, we don't want to take you from just doing static or, or kind of gym based, um, strength exercises. We then want to start adding some more kind of dynamic stuff in there. So, running is essentially a continuous um, kind of hop from hop to hop to hop. So we need to start getting you ready to absorb force under Mm -hmm. a little bit more impact and a little bit kind of, or higher speeds. So basically, if you can't do something for a particular reason at one point, then you need to be asking the questions or finding the questions or, or knowing how I need to get from here to here to here and kind of progressing, progressing through your stages yeah identifying
0: why there's always going to be a why so um i use two examples like for the box step up right so a strict box step up and you've got two dumbbells on your shoulder you want to aim for that well if you can't reverse lunge with stability and um you know and balance with load then you can't be looking at doing that box step just yet you've got to create stability within the body structure within the knee once you're able to do that move on to a smaller box step. Once you can do that with two dumbbells, move on to a bodyweight box step. Now, if you've got someone that is doing a box step, that can load with a barbell, that can load with dumbbells in a reverse lunge in a split squat, and you know that they can do a box step body weight, you know that they can do a box step with dumbbells. It can be that negative torque, that psychological battle of my knees hurting, or my knee is going to hurt, my knee is moving. Now, mm. the only way you're going to come out, you're going to overcome that instability within the knee is to work it through that range, right? Otherwise, how are you ever going to strengthen the knee in that box
1: step? Yeah, hundred percent, and that and that's where it comes from. So, alongside, and and I will get, I, I get this in football as well a bit, but alongside that, I will do some clinic work, and the majority of the time it's not that acute injury that i'd see in in sport it's the i've had pain for 6 months 12 months 18 months and or they've had it for longer and they've seen different people and the vast majority of the time it's just one assessing it and checking that there's no kind of structural pathology or injury that we need to be really kind of cautious of once i've cleared that it's just building confidence in people in their body in that they are um you know frightened to move and we've got to get them moving and that's where we move by move kind of taking it right back to start moving into a little bit of pain will help and how are the structures going to get stronger how are they going to desensitize how are they going to adapt unless you are putting it into some uncomfortable positions but you'll do it and it's painful a little bit at the time. And then it's probably a little bit less painful than what you thought it was going to be. And then you wake up the next day and it's not too bad. And then you come back in a week's time and it feels a little bit easier after doing it. And it, it just then becomes that, like that snowball that has kind of turned what should be quite a small injury into a much bigger one. Cause it's never really been either assessed properly or, or had the right kind of um, rehab around it. And all of these negative beliefs have just built up and built up. But then you can start undoing those by loading appropriately and moving and moving well and just kind of desensitizing the, the structure itself. But the main thing is just kind of building confidence subconsciously in the brain.
0: Yeah, it's huge. What what role does a specific warm-up activation prime, mm. what role does that play? Um with us as just normal fit healthy humans but also with individuals that might have some injury
1: Mm. so this is this is massive and if so in in kind of working in in football we will always have some form of activation before they go out to train so if they're going to do a max velocity day where we know that they're going to do a warm up and then they're going to try and hit a max speed that before that, we want to get them primed and ready to be able to tolerate that. So we're going to do lots of hamstring work. We're going to do lots of glute work. We're going to kind of get them as prepared for that as we can. It's exactly the same in a gym scenario in that when you get to the gym, you've got, um, I mean, COVID will obviously limit it at the moment because you can't like get, um, get on the side, get on the maps, do, do you some of your own stuff as you would do normally, but you've got a little bit of a warm, up that's generally kind of specific for the session, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. Um, people need to kind of take responsibility for, for doing their own stuff now, whether that mm-hmm. is. So I was doing a bit of um, work at a CrossFit gym and I was doing some of the early morning classes and I had to get up and do some kind of individual activation before i went there because i knew that i had a few niggles that that had to be kind of um that I had to load them appropriately before to know that they're gonna they're gonna kind of tolerate what i'm about to put through them so it is massive and it is about identifying areas of weakness or areas of injury having a correct kind of um loading program to do before you start in the gym so whether you call that a warm-up and activation potentiation whatever it may be um yeah. It might be as simple as, it might be more from a performance side of things in that um, you know that when you're squatting, your right leg is gonna move into a little bit of valgus so that the knee's is gonna drop in a little bit. You're gonna lose a bit of stability around the hip. So before you before you get into the gym, before you're doing that, then just doing some kind of specific glute work to get that um, glute kind of fired up and, and, and ready to tolerate what you're gonna put through it. Um, and reinforcing that when you then get in the gym and then you'll you'll notice a massive difference one from a pain point of view and two from a performance point of view if you can if you can do the right things before before you get in the gym yeah i love it so
0: important and it can be tricky to because we need to be obviously time conscious so these need to be really efficient warm-ups so what we can't do is go through every single individual uh, within a five minute window um and give them something completely different for five minutes. We'll have a generic warm up, which is specific to squat day, and then we will go around and say, you know, we know that you need to activate certain muscles, or we know that you need to warm up specific areas of the body because it just takes a while for you to get to get them warm. Um, however, we do have five minutes. People are allowed in five minutes before, um, mm. so there is every opportunity to do some quick, you know, scap. Uh, scat movement or some quick shoulder movement or some quick glute activation whatever it is um, it sh- especially if you've had an injury and you're looking to prevent it or you know full well that if you don't warm that injury or that area up properly then you'll get a slight niggle I think it's so so important to do so
1: I think people will always um like they'll always take the easier route or or not always but there's quite a lot of times when people will be like I'm not paying I'm not in any pain at the moment and so then their kind of preventative work that they were doing when they were in pain starts slipping away and then all of a sudden it comes back again because all you've done is basically probably desensitize the pain for a period of time because you're doing the right stuff but we know for to change any kind of, to get any kind of strength benefits, to get any um, hypertrophy benefits, to really change and positively impact um, mechanics, you've probably got to look at minimum of six weeks of doing stuff regularly. And actually, if you do get improvement in your pain before then, it's likely to be that you have just desensitized that structure, which is great. That's what we want. But if we want to make meaningful change that kind of lasts past the point of, just doing a bit of a warm up to kind of load it up, and it feels better. Then you need to stick stick to these plans and, and do them. And they're not the most interesting, but it's just one of those. They've just got to be done. And you can actually get quite a lot of benefit five minutes before a session. Then you know you're better off doing that than than not doing it at all. Yeah. And it's just picking the right stuff to do. So like, like I quite like foam rolling, but um, I'm not going to get somebody on a foam roller. If they've only got five minutes and they've got a tendinopathy problem, because what it needs is like, yes, that might have a little bit of a benefit in terms of managing it long-term. But for those five minutes, we need to start getting this, this tendon loaded, get it warm. That will help. And that will give you an acute improvement in your pain so that you can do the things you need to in the gym. So it's, it's, it's using the time wisely. It's knowing what you need to do, knowing what's appropriate and then actually just doing it. It's yeah. so important. It's, it's the stuff that isn't sexy, which is
0: why people aren't doing it right. Mm. Like they'd rather they'd rather do a one rep max, three rep max squat than uh, I don't know some glute activation or some monster mm. walks or something. Yeah, um, love it, Jay. Anything else from you, buddy? Those those are my uh, my kind of um, considerations that I wanted to run through with you. But anything else?
1: I think that is kind of everything in a, in a nutshell. Um, I think we could probably go into a bit more detail, but the, the biggest thing and hopefully the biggest take home is get things checked out from, you know, to, to rule out any significant injury or or something that does need to be offloaded. But after that, you shouldn't be fearful of pain. And that doesn't mean like if you've got a 10 out of 10 pain doing, um, squatting at like 60 kg that you go and do like 80 kg squat like it's not a green light for that but it's just knowing when to appropriately dose some form of loading through pain and actually that's going to give you better long-term outcomes than just avoiding it altogether. and if you are in pain like have a plan by which you're going to or, or you're having to modify your program have a plan by which you're gonna kind of start at this point and you and how you're gonna to get to the to the next stage or the end stage really. Yeah, yeah.
0: Seek advice. And um, you're one of the best to speak to. So where can people find you if they wanted to pick your brain?
1: Sorry, I broke up there a second.
0: Oh no. And that was like the, that second. was like the, the killer the killer question. Where would they find you, Jay, if um if they were wanting to pick your brain? You know, where could they find you on social? whatnot?
1: So um I'm only really active on Instagram, um, yep. js.physiotherapy. Um, awesome. That's where you can find me on there. So, yeah, I, I kind of post um, bits of injury advice on there, different exercises for, for different injuries, joints, et cetera. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm quite good at getting back to people as well if they if they want to kind of shoot a few questions my way yeah. as well.
0: And then if we ever have members that obviously need that service, you, you're you still working online, obviously, covid has um made mean made you adapt and you've adapted well obviously um so you're still continuing online that zoom service yeah
1: yeah still doing zooms which have have been quite good actually been been kind of better than what what i was expecting um so yeah still doing face-to-face stuff but obviously that's a bit of a, a bit of a way away from anyone that's probably coming mm-hmm. to you unless want to so. drive up yeah <laughs> um
0: wicked and then you know obviously the added benefit to this is we can stay in constant communication as to if mm. any anyone ever did go and see you is you can then communicate to me what needs to be done what doesn't need to be done and how we can get them like you said from a to b um whilst enjoying the process because we don't just like any sort of um process in the gym we want it to be enjoyable and yeah. if you enjoy it you'll
1: see i think um, um that that is just it kind of um, sparked my mind there a little bit as well but rehab necessarily or isn't necessarily always the most enjoyable thing but I think what if somebody is in pain then they need to see somebody that's going to kind of design a program that will fit around them so there's no point in me giving somebody a load of exercises that they hate and they're never going to do if they just don't enjoy them but there's usually like multiple different alternatives that they can that they can do, and like you say, that will just make the process a lot more enjoyable. so yeah. f- finding something that one is gonna benefit and two is gonna gonna be done. There's no point like you put the best rehab program in the world together, but if it's not going to be done, then it's a waste of time you, you're better off giving them the one exercise that they will do because that's gonna far outweigh any um lack or far outweigh any lack of benefit from from not doing any exercises so you're better off just doing doing the exercises that or giving them the exercise that will be done
0: yeah adher- adherence is the number one goal for anything you know coach wise if they stick to it you're winning um you've got to back yourself that we're doing the right things and of course we are because we know our shit so um i love it thank you Jay, 100%. for your time
1: no, thanks for having me, I uh, Hopefully, we'll, uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yes, and we'll, yes.
0: We'll, we'll come up with some new topics. Absolutely. We'll get some members' questions as well, so they're specific, and we can um, pick apart some specific injuries and talk over some specific or common injuries um, that we see and uh, take it from there.
1: Yeah, sounds good, oh, mate. Man.
0: Have a good one. And you, mate. Bye-bye. Bye, bye-bye.